toy? As I suspected, I hate toys. And toys hate me. Either they are going or I am going. And I am certainly not going. I gave them the toys. How dare you? You are obviously a nonconformist and a rebel. Hello and welcome once again to the Intermillennium Media Project Podcast. My name is Matthew Porter. And I'm Ian Porter. We offer you a bi-weekly dose of nostalgia, media criticism, and misuse of parental authority. I'm his dad, he's my son, and I make him watch television. Ah, uh, and this time it's another in our holiday season. It is seasonal television. Yes. We are continuing with the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. Oh, goodness. The things that just kind of exist in the ether that do not come from any one location to my generation. They just are and continue to be. They are just such a part of the culture. We've Neither of us have ever known a time when these did not exist. <laughs> They're, they are ancient like the rings of Saturn and sharks. <laughs> Even this one, the one we're talking about today, was released in 1970. Oh, that makes some things make sense. <laughs> so it was it was new, but I do not remember its premiere. Okay. And we're talking about Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh boy. I've got to ask a question. The version we watched for the podcast this time is the DVD version, right? Correct. That's not the edited for TV version, is it? Uh, what do you mean? There you are scenes I do not remember. This was produced for television. But there are scenes I do not think I ever saw as a kid. Oh, there are things that were trimmed? Very much so. For broadcast at that point? Very oh. much so. So that'll be an interesting thing as we go through this, because there's just chunks that are brand new to me in this thing that feels old and seen before. Oh, that's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, what I remember that was, was gone by the time you were watching this. As a yeah. Kid. And this is sort of explanatory fanfic for santa claus <laughs> yes that is the perfect description it is a a story a one-hour bit of television that attempts to explain all of the all the details about a s traditional santa claus lore I, it feels like someone explaining the D, &D character they've had for years <laughs> and all of the bits of things they've picked up and characters they've met on the way as they like sit down with the same character sheet to a new party. It's like, here's my character. He's Chris Kringle, also known as Santa Claus. He gained these titles here and these magic items here. And the DM approved it all. <laughs> and yet it, it does come together as, as a story. I think it's well-crafted for what it's trying to do. Uh, You're not so sure about I'm that. I'm not so sure after this rewatch. <laughs> this, uh, no matter what, this is a wild ride. Yes. That I will give it. And as with the snowman in uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, we do have a framing device. We do have a narrator who is telling this story. Oh, goodness, this dude. <laughs> SD Special Delivery Kugel? I, I gotta check. All I remember is it's the uh, Kluger. Kluger. I was S close with Kugel. Yeah, special delivery delivery Kluger. 
all I remembered is this is the guy that when he gets back to the station is not going to is going to have to talk with his union rep because there will be a disciplinary action. Yeah, he could be going to jail. He could be this man. <laughs> uh, to give some background, I have worked for the United States Postal Service in the past. I have been a delivery carrier. I have been a city carrier and I when I was a kid, this was delightful and fun. As an adult now, this was terrifying and rage-inducing. <laughs> so he's driving uh, around on his postal half-track. Which I honestly, cool, and looked <laughs> just upkept enough for being accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for the time period. That made sense. Why is he doing this in the North Pole? Why are you in jurisdiction? Somebody has wandered very far from his route, or someone needs to talk with the local postmaster, because <laughs> this guy's got too long a route to do in his time frame. Maybe there's some detail about the International Postal Treaty that we're not familiar with that allows the U.S. mail to, or or, or calls for the U.S. mail to, um, to make deliveries to the North Pole. Maybe, but still, Title 18, Section 1708 of the United States Postal Code. <laughs> we're pausing for a moment as Air Force jets go overhead. They're coming for you, SD. <laughs> they are coming for you. <laughs> Hi, Patreon. <laughs> Title 18, Section 1708 of the U.S. States Postal Code. That is mail theft statute. This guy just opened post that is not labeled to him on his route like that and started reading the contents dude you are being a, you are being hunted down by postal inspectors now <laughs> these are the people that make federal uh, fbi investigators and like border patrol scared because the postal inspectors do not halt they are perpetual <laughs> and terrifying we have to come back to that i think when we're talking about final questions yes <laughs> oh my goodness but yeah he's the he's the mailman for the north pole and he's He's opening the letters to Santa so that he can show us examples of the kinds of questions that Santa gets. I mean, I, I get being very, very, very... Like, your mind goes weird places on your route. Come on. Seriously, though. <laughs> uh, this is why audiobooks exist, man. Please. <laughs> but we do get all those questions like, why does Santa live at the North Pole? Why does Santa wear whiskers? Why does, why does he wear a red suit? Yeah, he, he he kind of tries to read one to explain a single thing, and then is psychically bombarded by all the in, in the questions and everything else, and completely loses it as uh, forest critters start coming over to sing with him. And he starts, I believe, pushing his own vehicle instead of driving it at least once. It's like, he is absolutely losing his mind on this trek. And as part of this framing device, we get not only him and his narration, but apparently we get the kids he's talking to. Yeah. I was never sure if that was supposed to be there are just kids hanging out at the North Pole just off camera, or if they were supposed to represent us and other kids watching the show and like talking back to him through the television. I was never quite sure about that. It was always a little disorienting, even when I was a kid. I'm just imagining this version of Santa just telling a couple of small children, for this holiday, you're getting the gift of astral projection. And it would fit. <laughs> that fits with this story. It does. Uh, because immediately, like, the first things we learn is uh, young, young Klaus, or Claus, gotta get back to that there for a moment, 
being an orphan in Sombertown. Yes, he was he was left in a basket on the doorstep of the Burgermeister Meisterburger. Best name in all of the, animated stories. <laughs> the uh, the the mayor of, of Sombertown. <laughs> no no further explanation as to where he comes from. Yeah. Or who left him there, who his mother was, what's his midichlorian count. We don't get any more information about this child who who just was wearing a, sort of a dog tag that said claws. But yes, but also did it say claws or Klaus? Because I looked at this and said, I would have expected a German-ish community like this to read that as Klaus, but they read it as claws. And I'm like, where are we and when are we? Because these people are not reading this in the way that their architectural and outfit style would say they should. That is a good point. We we never hear exactly where this is. They just say that it's a northern town. It sure looks like Bavaria to me, but I really don't know. It sure looks like Bavaria, but the... the 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 generic northernness and the strange proximity to magical things. I expected Agent Dale Cooper to drive up to this place at some point <laughs> and start investigating. It's got just that amount of like, we look like a normal town. Don't question it, please. And uh, and the Burgermeister Meisterburger has a what to him I'm sure is a very sensible uh, solution to this, and that is he has his right hand man just. Bring the child to the orphan's asylum. That's where he's supposed to go. I love that phrase, the orphan's asylum. It's, <laughs> it's the place you put deranged orphans, apparently. <laughs> like, they, they, this kid had half had a 50-50 chance of either becoming Santa Claus or Batman. <laughs> Do we know that they are different? <laughs> maybe Santa Claus, maybe Batman just has a generous day once a year. <laughs> I watch you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake, Joker. (laughs) But he never gets to the orphan asylum. No. Because the rope uh, on the sled that the the right-hand man is using to, uh, to pull him along breaks. And he just, the sled just goes screaming out into the wilderness, into the forest. I believe it's the animals that then find him and take him to the uh, the house that adopts him. Yes, the the house of the Kringles. The Kringles, which has a family of elves. Oh goodness, the elf introductions. Oh, Dingle Kringles, my guy. Dingle Kringles. I like Dingle Kringle. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, uh, what's the list of names again? So there's Tanta Kringle, who's kind of the mom of the group, and then there's Tingle Kringle, Wingle Kringle. Zingle Kringle, Ringle Kringle, and Dingle Kringle. And I think it's Dingle Kringle who observes, you know, this looks like the no- I see the nose of a baby. Oh, wait, there's a whole baby, baby attached. attached. Absolutely. This guy, uh, he says it with exuberance, but it, this is one of those points where I got a note. This, this special is one of those prime examples of fridge horror for me. Oh, yeah? The longer I think about certain things, the more scary it is. His first thing is, there's a nose of a baby. And he then sounds surprised when there's a rest of a baby. And I'm like, wait, what did you think was showing up? I'm scared. You've already mentioned David Lynch. Is this like an alternate beginning for uh, Blue Velvet? I don't know. Maybe. This is just like, there's a lot of things. And later on, this gets weirder and scarier, I'm oh, going to say. Yes, it does. Oh. It does. But the, the Kringle family takes in this little lost baby. And and raises him as one of their own. Names him Chris. So yes. he is Chris Kringle. Right. 
why his name doesn't rhyme, I don't know, but maybe they're just trying something new. Yeah, I, I don't... That's weird. <laughs> I don't even know what they'd have remaining to rhyme with, though. It's not much. He learns a full education and the art of toy making. Yeah, they are toy makers. They, they, were, they were more than just some toy makers, oh, though. Oh, yes. They were the toy makers to the king, and this is one of our next musical numbers. And that's... Th- this is a good chance to mention the music in this i think is terrific a lot of the music is amazing there was some cute music in rudolph the red-nosed reindeer but it wasn't that much it was the songs they were predictable they were cute they were repetitive this has some jams some of this music and the lyrics and also the melodies these this is a sign that they engaged some really good uh songwriters for this and the first toy makers to the king was uh, is a terrific song talking about the great history of the Kringle family. Absolutely. This is also a part where I want to talk about the animation. Yeah. The animation in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was very smooth and amazingly well done stop motion animation. This one doesn't worry about making it as smooth. The character motions can be a little jerkier and a little, a little more puppety. But they do a lot with changing the speed at which they animate certain characters. Mm -hmm. The same thing they did with certain things in Rudolph, but they emphasize it here. And especially during the songs, the character singing or characters moving to the beat become synchronized to the music in a completely new way. And it makes this a movie that has, has a very segments that turn into music videos feel with that synchronization but in an excellent way and creates this fun focus and liveliness where even if the characters are moving with this stiffer march to it, that march being to the beat means that it all flows with the same music. It keeps pace with it and it all works together very, very well. Some people cannot stand that art and that style as the characters move that little bit more herky jerky at times. But I think that the music being so good and putting those two things together makes that effect intentional and powerful. I agree with you. This one has a look that suggests that it is a story being acted out with dolls and other toys. And that fits this story very well. And yet at the same time, there are points, especially during those musical segments you talked about, in which we get a little more of the kind of cartoony stretch and squash even though we're dealing with stop motion so oh yeah things get both smoother and a little bit more unreal when music is going on characters will spin around and they will spin at double the frame rate for a moment of everyone else or the 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 movement rate of everyone else to make that spin work and the entire model of them spinning is a little taller than their base model so there's this stretch effect to them to make it look like they're spinning quickly you saw a little bit of that earlier with Burgermeister Meisterburger's flailing arms and sometimes disconnecting joints <laughs> in order to make his movements bigger and larger and yes. a little more chaotic. <laughs> but now that this is the, I mean, I believe SD had a song earlier, but that's kind of the credits song and there's a lot yeah. of environmental setup. This is the first main like character song, I'd say. Right. And this, part of the narrative. This yeah. is where we're getting to see some of that stylization in action mm-hmm. 
And the fact that the Kringles have this tradition of being toy makers to the king is why they can't stop making toys. Even though they're the winter storms that are on the mountains that separate them from Sombertown mean that they can't get the, there's there's no way for them to deliver their toys anywhere but they just keep making them and the toys keep stacking up there's a little bit of a weird compulsion aspect where it's like yep we've got to make toys we can't do something else with our craft I, I i appreciate the dedication but there's a little bit of a a weird like is there something else going on because we've already been introduced to the fact that there's some magical elements going on there's an evil force here in the mountains and there's this sense in the with the kringles that this is their identity. If they don't make toys, who are they? They are no one. Yeah. They weird. cannot be who they are unless they make toys. So they're going to keep making toys, even if they've got a barn full of toys with no one to give them to. Yeah. Them. We are the toy makers to the king. It's what we do. And, uh, and yeah, as you say, there is magic around here, and that could be involved. Because there's a, a one particular reason why the, the Kringles cannot make this journey. The Winter Warlock. The Winter Warlock. This tall, scary guy with the wizard hat and the crown and the robes who creates terrible storms and doesn't want anyone on his mountain or near his mountain and who, who like, hates Christmas. Yeah, he's got this... <laughs> what if the Bumble was a little bit more interactable in some ways? <laughs> there's kind of a similar vibe, especially in the early, we're hinting that there's this force out there in the mountains. And, uh, yeah, that's a scary character. That is a scary guy. He is, his initial introduction is terrifying. Like, especially with the, the ice face going on yes. and everything else. He's a, he, he is a creepy character to start out. But eventually there's a confrontation when, um, when Chris Kringle has to, to move through the Winter Warlock's territory. But I want to talk a little bit more about Chris Kringle's skills, because we get this, this growing up montage for Chris Kringle, and it's got little bits of Samurai Jack and 36th Chamber of Shaolin and yeah, all these things. very much so. He's learned all the elf ways from the Kringles. He's also learned incredible stealth and agility and outdoor skills from all the animal friends that he's got. We get these cool scenes yeah. of him learning how to, to, to climb and slide and jump. And he is absolutely like some sort of ranger, this odd mix between Robin Hood and like definitely a Kung Fu movie yes. character. I love that part. The fact that we, we, they don't just say it. We get some of that montage as he's playing with the animals and learning all their skills. I want to see a little him. bit of Mowgli in there. <laughs> all these heroes from, from legend. We've got part of him. I want to see him just like go into the woods and just like use his, use a flat hand chop, take down a tree and turn it into a toy boat right <laughs> there with his hands. Just, ah, ja. The 36th chamber of Kringles. <laughs> yes. So he does manage to evade the Winter Warlock long enough to get into Sombertown. Yes. And deliver toys to yes. the kids. But what he doesn't know is that just before he gets there, toys have been criminalized <laughs> in Sombertown. Yes. Because the Burgermeister Meisterberger has slipped on a toy duck, I think it was. Yeah, he tripped on a toy duck and broke his leg. So he's in a wheelchair and he has criminalized toys, which is another 
another cool uh, song because he gets a song that is essentially a reprise of the first toy makers to the king song. But for him, it's all about how he's going to he's going to make all toys illegal and how he's going to destroy them. Yeah. And it's also very interesting. Like he's there, this person in a rolling and posi- a a leadership position in the town. And yet, apparently, they were there within jurisdiction of a king, and he is not obeying that king. <laughs> Just well, noting. I don't know. Maybe as long as the taxes come in from Sombertown, the king is uh, doesn't care. Yeah. Makes me question this royalty thing going on over there. <laughs> right. But, yeah, this is like, I'm going to take all the toys and burn them, and it'll be great, and I'm the, I'm the law and the authority. And, uh, and yeah, his right-hand man has to... Uh, uh, post all these notices and confiscate and destroy all the toys. And there's this, this wonderful poster that is saying, you know, all toys have been deemed, uh, illegal, unlawful, immoral, unacceptable, <laughs> all these things. Yeah. Apparently, according to the Burgermeister, Meister Burger, there's no difference between illegal and immoral. L- luckily for him, his the sources the were not counted as toys because apparently his, his bill writers <laughs> yes. still had theirs. <laughs> So here, uh, Chris Kringle comes into town and immediately starts violating their latest law. Yeah. Like he, giving toys away to kids. Yeah. And the, the kids are just like, oh, yeah, things, things are awful here. All we can do is, you know, like, uh, the only way people care about how you are in this town is uh, if you follow the rules and if you have clean stockings. Right. And, that, and how many chores you've done. How many chores you've done and how clean your stockings are. It's like, that's just... My goodness, this is a, this is a dystopian story. Everybody, go over and uh, reshelve your DVD copy of uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This goes next to things like The Hunger Games, not next to other holiday specials. <laughs> I didn't expect it, but right. that's more what this is becoming. And, um, and yeah, so he lures all these children into a life of crime yes. by giving them toys to play with. The local school teacher is very upset with this because she tries to teach the kids well and keep everyone following the law. Yeah, she's very upset with this newcomer in here, this guy named Chris who comes in with his his fancy red suit because the Kringles gave him an official Kringle red suit before he made his journey. Absolutely. And uh, so he's the only person wearing any color in Sombertown, and he's giving away toys. And, and yeah, uh, the school teacher, I think it's Jessica, is is very unhappy with him. Yep. And this is also where I'd love to discuss the voice cast. Oh, sure. Because now that our Chris is old enough to be his his main character status and everything, Fred Astaire is the one voicing S.D. Kluger. Mickey Rooney is voicing Chris Kringle. Robbie Lester is voicing Miss Jessica. And Paul Freeze is voicing practically everybody else. <laughs> yes, indeed. All the Kringle brothers, Burgermeister Meisterburger, his right-hand man, Topper the Penguin, who Chris <laughs> met on his way into town, and is the most lost penguin possible. He's on the wrong side of the world. At least they acknowledge he's trying to get to the <laughs> South Pole. He's just very lost. Very lost. And he kind of becomes Chris's animal companion throughout this, <laughs> who, who speaks only in honks. <laughs> But yeah, all of these people are all voiced by Paul Frees, but the voice cast is all wildly exuberant and energetic with every single line. And these are some A-list names in here, unlike the uh, the relative newcomers who did most of the voices in uh, um, Rudolph six years earlier. 
we've got Fred Astaire and Mickey Rooney and some yeah. of those, Paul Fries, all these big names. Yeah, all of these big names. These are people that you'll know from other, like, uh, other performances all over the place, of course. But everybody sounds like there is coffee flowing in the, <laughs> in the recording booths because everyone is wide awake and energized for every line. It's brilliant. Very, very high energy. Ever everything. The fact that everyone is such high energy in this, though, really gives it a like. It it's compelling. Everyone. Everyone kind of pulls you in with that performance. And when we're getting to see Chris talk with the townsfolk and with uh, Jessica and everyone else, you get some more of that, you know, it's more characters getting to talk with each other and less voiceover, as much as Fred Astaire's voiceover is great in it. Getting to hear the back and forth conversations is where you get that very quick, quick pacing. That means they cram a whole lot into this (laughs) one hour special. And it's all on the back of this kind of performance. I'd say there's a little more wit to the dialogue, partly because there's just that more additional speed and energy that we get here. And partly just because I think the writing is a little more sophisticated than we saw in, in Rudolph. Oh, yeah. But we've got the the authorities trying to catch Chris, uh, and he evades them using his, his super animal-style kung fu skills. Yes. Which, which are kind of noted and described as such by uh, yes. Burgermeister Meisterberger. Oh, look, he climbs like a squirrel, leaps like a deer, and is as slippery as a seal. Like, he's got literally the animal techniques and everything. Is this the point at which he, though, saved one toy to give to the burger to maybe cheer him up? He does offer a, uh, a toy to the Burgermeister, a yo-yo. <laughs> That's one of those scenes I do remember, which is the Burgermeister playing with the yo-yo. And loving it. A yo-yo? I love yo-yos. I used to be able to do all kinds of tricks. (laughs) Excuse me, sir, but you're breaking your own law. It's like, oh, yes, I I could do all the tricks with the yo-yo and everything. But interestingly enough, I remember that scene coming right after the meeting with Jessica. So you don't remember the song that comes in there. That is one of those songs I'm pretty sure has been cut out of all the versions I've seen. The song about... uh, If you uh, sit on my lap today. A kiss a toy is the price you'll pay. Which is just odd. This stranger in a bright red suit rolls in and wants all the kids in town to sit on his lap and give him a kiss. And he promises them a toy. Yeah, this is... Uh, he, uh, even in in the early 70s when i was you know me and my friends and i were you know eight nine years old we would like watch this and yeah that was kind of cool but that one song that was like creepy that right was really? he's a weirdo this i wouldn't do that you yeah. know what i mean yeah it's like and this guy he wanders into town breaking the law and wants all the kids to sit on their lap and give he gives them a toy. And he's been flirting with the school teacher. And he's been in town, like, what, 20 minutes total? And he's done all of this. It is really weird. So I'm not surprised really that creepy. they've removed that, that song because <sighs> it was just too weird even when this was new. Yes. Like, really? Really? Maybe not. Maybe not. And so for me, that pacing of just like... Do you realize you're breaking the law? And then the law shows up and he immediately <laughs> distracts them. Flows better to me, but that's just because of my memory of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. I don't know that that song adds much in terms of narrative pacing, and it it's too weird to leave in. So I'm fine with them cutting that song. 
Yeah. But he escapes. Yeah, the, the, the yo-yo distraction does not keep the Burgermeister Meisterburger uh, occupied very long. He comes to his senses and orders the arrest of, of this Chris Kringle guy. Chris escapes, and uh, the Burgermeister goes about confiscating all the kids' toys. Yep. Burn another set of them. And meanwhile, uh, Chris has to get home. Yeah. Which means he has to pass through once again the realm of the Winter Warlock. And this time he's caught. He mm. and his uh, his penguin buddy. You disturbed me for the very last time. And this is where we actually get to meet the warlock. <laughs> oh boy. It's the best time. <laughs> you think you maybe have seen this character elsewhere? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know I have seen this character elsewhere because this, the winter warlock, is pretty much just the Ice King. He is absolutely... It's, it's the, adventure time. We talked about there being a kind of adventure time vibe to parts of Rudolph. This is absolutely adventure time vibe, and here we have the Winter Warlock. Even Topper the Penguin is a lot like the penguins in Adventure Time. Yes, he is. But the Winter Warlock, very, very much. He's and, got the same look. He's got the wizard hat and the crown and all this. Very, very and, Ice King. I made that item. Made it with the magic that I stole. So hand it over or I'll strike menacing poses at you. And all of That's that Simon and all of that creepiness just melts away. It's like, I, I've got a spare toy. Do you want one? No one's given me a toy. Oh, oh, my icy heart's melting. And he just becomes a normalish looking guy with a bit of a long nose. And he's just like, oh, we're friends now. You want to come over for like a drink? He <laughs> yeah. is, Please um, call me winter. Call me winter. It's like, I... I love that. I loved this character, and he's the—he's f- so fun and weird. He is also the Deus Ex Winter uh, Winter Warlock for so many of the magical things Chris will do later. Yeah, he teaches Chris how to use a a magic crystal snowball to spy on children. I mean, to see them where they're sleeping and knowing when they're awake and if yeah. they're being bad or good. Yeah. I, I love that everyone who does that spell just gathers up a snowball, presses it for a moment, and holds it up like it's important. <laughs> and it works. Also, Chris is a fast learner when it comes to magic. Yes. Because the Winter Warlock, like, they have an entire... They have the... This song is one of my favorites, is getting the Winter Warlock to, like, oh, I can't change my ways. I'm going to be evil. This won't, this won't last. No, then it's one foot in front of the other, which is an excellent song. Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. It has fun with modulating its speed. It's got this this nice, fun, repetitive thing. It's it's upbeat and peppy. I love that song. And it's it's you can see how it would be persuasive between these characters. Yeah. It is. It's a song that isn't just an entertainment insert. It, it helps drive the narrative. Although I do wonder, it's got a little bit of an, like... One foot in front of the other, soon you'll be walking across the floor. One foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door. It doesn't explain where. You'll just be headed out the door, though. Hey, you're yeah, going exactly. someplace. Going someplace. That's Sometimes good. that's the most important thing. Exactly. <laughs> and I like how there's suddenly this door in the snow for them to <laughs> to uh, act around. It's very vaudeville stage to some extent. It's yes. got that kind of stage musical effect going on, even more so than some of the other songs. Mm-hmm. And in general, this uh, 
this story does not have some of the big wilderness vistas that we get in Rudolph. It's woods and mountains and cities. It's all more enclosed sorts of uh, environments. And and those those areas, even though they all are, because of the angles and the way they show it, it's got a little bit more of that diorama stage effect overall. Yeah. The city kind of has that forced perspective going on in the background to expand it. The the Kringles houses have that almost Wes Anderson-y cutaway vibe at times. So it it's very it very fitting, but this is one of those moments where it really shines through that they're being able to use stagecraft, possibly that some of the voice cast and other people who've worked on that know to enhance this as part of the way they're presenting this show. And something that, that Chris learns with the magic crystal snowball is that somebody is looking for him. Yeah. Not just the Burgermeister Meisterburger, but Jessica is out there looking for him to warn him about the fact that a trap is being set for him. You're a slightly creepy, uh, you're a slightly creepy, uh, uh, criminal who, who has come into my town and caused chaos. But you were cute. You're cute and charming. You're cute and charming, so I'm going to give you a warning. (laughs) So then we get the middle of the story is this kind of back and forth between Chris and the Burgermeister Meisterburger in trying to get toys to the kids in contravention of civil law and past the guards of the, uh, the Burgermeister Meisterburger. And it starts with, you know, every door that's unlocked, uh, there's yeah. a kid in there, so he'll bring in, in toys. And then he has to hide them in their stockings. Mm-hmm. And the doors are closed, so how does he get in? Well, you can't close the chimneys, so he slides down all the chimneys, and that's how that gets started. <laughs> and he seems to really enjoy these challenges. Yeah. He, he enjoys the fact that he's facing another challenge every time. And, oh, I've got the best job, he says at some point. <laughs> One of the clever things is the fact that we've heard him kind of have a bit of a chuckle at certain things. He kind of enjoys being this, you know, roguish figure doing these things. And oh, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and as he gets more into it, the, the more excited he gets, the lower the laugh is dropping. Right. And so by the end, as he's excitedly hopping in and out of the chimneys doing the thing, it turns into the ho, ho, ho laugh <laughs> you expect. Some of that is done very smoothly yes. in a way that just makes so much sense. I was found this totally compelling and, and persuasive as a kid. As you go through this show, this special has some crazy logic, but it is internally consistent crazy logic. Yes. And that is the key point. It It will, if someone can do a thing, they can always do that thing. And that is part of how this functions. And I love that fact. And as this goes on, Jessica is more and more clearly on Chris's side. And at some point, she has her own musical number, essentially realizing that she's fallen in love with him. Which is the other thing that always got cut. Really? That got cut as well? Yes. that <laughs> The strange musical number where Jessica kind of acknowledges her feelings, uh, her entire outfit saturates in color. Which apparently means that she's kind of breaking out of whatever hold Sombertown has on her. And I gotta admit, the musical number that reminded me a little too much of the wave motion engine from <laughs> uh, Star Blazers with the color splitting and combination of the stop motion and traditional animation color splitting trippy 70s effects going on. You know, he... 
the character design for Jessica does seem a lot like a Leiji Matsumoto character, all based on that one German actress he was obsessed with. Exactly. So I'm here like, oh, look, she's transported across part of the universe here. <laughs> Are and you it, sure your name's not Nova? Exactly. It's given her some, uh, her, her outfit comes out the, the other side in bright, <laughs> in bright science team blue, apparently. <laughs> Interesting. It's a very trippy, it's of an extremely 1970 song. And it's not a bad song. I kind of feel like, I guess the buildup of her helping out was enough of a they'll get together. And if you're cutting things for time, you'll cut the creepy song and you'll cut the trippy song and then you're fine. That makes sense. I could see them cutting that for time, not because there's anything about the content they didn't like. It's just, oh, kids aren't going to like this as much. And they're not wrong about that. I always found that the boring song. It's also the part that has nonstop motion animation in it. So oh, for me, yes. this was a purely stop motion effect. And that's where the idea that Rankin Bass did traditional animation is more surprising to me. I have not seen as much of their 2D animation because it doesn't show up in I, I, the versions I've seen of their stuff. So the fact that The Hobbit was done 2D animation by Rankin Bass surprises me because I never had that context to connect to them. That's a good point. That may be one of the reasons why it always seemed a little jarring, a little tacked on, is that it does it, it departs from the the style and the the world in which we're seeing this story. There is something weird and interesting metaphysical about the fact that a 3D stop-motion puppet has a flashback memory in 2D classic animation Ooh, about her own life. It's like, is this like dimensional projection? Are you like seeing your life from a different angle and it has to be in this because of the dimensions of your existence? We're getting into oh. Flatland stuff going on here. So, so 3D CGI characters might have, have memories that are in claymation. Exactly. Who knows? <laughs> hey. Oh, now I'm just having Code Lyoko flashbacks. <laughs> that, did a, that was a show that did a great job using different animation styles to represent different worlds. We'll have to hold on the, to oh. that in the future. Yes, indeed. And this, this conflict between the Kringles and the Burgermeister Meisterburger, it, it escalates to the point where the Kringles workshop is burned to the ground and all of the Kringles are imprisoned. As well as the Winter Warn Lock and Jessica. Yes. Oh, well, no, no. not Jessica. Oh, just Chris, because Jessica is the one who breaks them out. That's right. She goes to the Winter Warlock to try to get some some help with ideas to break them out. And he's he's talking, as, as we've gotten bits of this before, because he's no longer driven by this heart of icy evil, he's lost a lot of his magic. Yeah. His magic apparently was driven by his evil and his his... his misanthropy yeah i have known a lot of artists who get a lot of power from that but he <laughs> has less and less magic as the story goes on to the point where he's just got a few things uh stubs of some magic candles and a pocket I, I, full of magic seed corn I, I, feed corn. yeah I, I love him going through his pockets there it's like i've got <laughs> i've got some like i can't even do a card trick i've got 20 <laughs> stubs of magic candles i've got a dried out potion it's it, it that was another moment where like i'm just seeing simon from from adventure time here just the sadness like i expect like oh yeah i broke i broke both my drumsticks i don't have my my kit with me yeah. <laughs> look at all this um you just sitting there next to the clambulance oh, emptying his pockets exactly <laughs> it's just oh my goodness 
there's this like sad guy going through the contents of his apartment thing going on here but he does have the magic feed corn he does and which can't like, how's that going to help all that like, does is make reindeer fly it's like wait a minute what reindeer fly <laughs> and this is fun because uh jessica's like wait a minute give me that runs back out into the forest and meets up with all of chris's uh animal companions and feeds it to the reindeer and there's eight of them to help escape to help break everyone out of jail by flying in and then flying over the walls so that's how the Kringles escape from prison. So now they're on the run for real. They're not just breaking the law. Now they are fugitives. And we do get a cameo here. Oh, yes. Because it's, like, it's like it lists the eight reindeer and it's like, and Rudolph. No, he's the other. He, he's, <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. That's a different story. But it once again gives us uh, the sound of uh, glowing. <laughs> There's a, I don't know if it's now or a little earlier, that there were wanted posters that were put up for Chris Kringle. And that's why he grew the whiskers, so that he wouldn't look just like he did on the wanted posters. Mm -hmm. And they have to leave, so they they keep heading north to find a new place to live. And they end up at the North Pole and decide to build a castle and workshop there. And that works. Meanwhile, uh, Chris and Jessica get married. Yes, they do. I love that scene. That's beautiful. That brings tears to my eyes every time. I just love that scene. It's he's a fu- no- he's a fugitive on the run, so no no town will let him in. So they get married in the forest. Yes, and they this wonderful line about no cathedral ever looked more beautiful. The winter warlock pleads for one tiny little bit of magic left, and he illuminates all the trees. Yes, that's a wonderful it's scene. A wonderful scene. So it's now Chris and and his wife, Jessica, and also because the wanted posters are for this known criminal, Chris Kringle, Tonta Kringle gives Chris the tag that he was found with, with the name Claus. And he starts going by Claus. Mm-hmm. And that's how he becomes Santa Claus, and she's Mrs. Claus. So. And... From here, it's just kind of filling in how the rest of the story comes together in that they keep making toys. As his legend grows, he's getting letters from kids from all over the world asking him to uh, to visit them and, and bring them toys. He decides, you know, I can't do this all the time. I'm going to have to limit this to one trip a year. And, of course, they decide the most magical night of the year, Christmas Eve. And... <laughs> This is one of the interesting stories where the solution to our primary villain is wait out their natural lifespan. The Meisterberger <laughs> dies. And with him, the whole like line of Meisterbergers, the Burgermeisters, and they don't go into detail, but appear it appears that there has been some kind of revolution yeah. in Sombertown and the greater kingdom or empire of which it was a part. Yeah. <laughs> Because they're not just putting up the picture of the new Burgermeister, they're just tossing the old one into the trash. Yeah, there's been a whole there's been a whole coup off screen as they go ahead and set up North Pole shop. <laughs> Which is kind of a, a a unique way of dealing with your main villain. I've not seen that in many other animated features. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, we're all mortal, get over it. <laughs> okay then. Whoa. And Santa Claus and uh, and Jessica they both grow old, but they never seem to be any closer to mortality. They're just now old people who are going to live forever, it seems. Yeah, I wonder how old the 
the Winter Warlock was because Chris picked up some of the magic fast and oh. was able to still do it. He was able to do the snowball trick within an hour, maybe, of seeing it and did so to impress Jessica. I'm wondering, like, did he learn some some black magic or something to preserve his age? That's a good point. And you pointed out how there just seems to be some magic in this region in which the Kringles and Winter lived. Maybe it's it's part of that. Why that? Why wasn't that one of the things in his pockets? I still have this old top hat. Doesn't do anything. There must have been. Some, <laughs> there might be some magic in it still. Hey, we got an entire other character there with an origin story. They could have linked back here. <laughs> so it does come to a, I would say, a very satisfying ending. Yes. In that it ties all these things together. It puts them. We, we've seen all the pieces, and now we're seeing them put into place in context of what we know of the Santa legend. And, and why all those are together. And as it wraps up, uh, S.D. Kluger remembers he's got to del- finish his delivery and his route. And <laughs> he's not going to take a split after this, is he? I, I don't. I hope not. He, he's, <laughs> how long is it going to take for them to send someone else who finished their route to go help him at this rate? That's not going to do any good. Maybe this is his split. Who knows? That would explain why he's taking so long. <laughs> Dang, I'm getting, I'm falling down a rabbit hole here. I'm fascinated with the fact that he meets up with Topper the Penguin and the Winter Warlock for the final musical scene yes. as they work their way to the North Pole. I guess uh, we have no clue how much time it is between the end of the story as we saw it and Estee's delivery. We we have no idea. But the Topper and the Winter Warlock are still there. Yeah, we know it's been years. Yeah. So and Topper apparently decided, you know, the South Pole doesn't sound as interesting as it is here, so I'm going to hang out. Yeah. So they're still around. That, like, no one's aging or going away thing is very, very powerful at the end there. For all we know, S.D. Kluger is one of the kids from Sombertown. Oh, that could be. Yeah grown up and now doing the delivery route to go I, visit this person he met as a kid. I like that idea, that he was one of those kids washing socks. Yes. And being confronted by this creepy guy in a red suit. It would explain why he knows everything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I was there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there, voiced by Fred Astaire. <laughs> Well, I think we might be headed towards our final questions. I think so. But first, before we get there, if you're interested in more of the Intermillennium Media Project, please go to www.immproject.com. That's where you will find all of our past episodes, including all of our Christmas episodes. If you would like to support the IMMP, you can do that by joining our Patreon there, where you will also be able to get additional audio content as a thanks for your support. If you like t-shirts and coffee mugs and notebooks and other things like that, you can visit our shop, which is linked from immproject.com. And if you want to contact us, you can use the contact page there to send us email or to send us, honest to goodness, physical mail delivered directly to us by Special Delivery Kluger. But the best way to support us is just tell your friends, share the podcast with others. That would be great. And Ian, where can people find you? I can be found online as itemcrafting uh, at itemcrafting.com or on Twitch as itemcraftinglive. And you can find me at bymatthewporter.com. You'll find whatever I'm doing online. You can also find me on YouTube as bymatthewporter, where you will find the Drafthouse Diary, where I talk about every one of my many visits to the Alamo Drafthouse, both good experiences and bad. So now... 
final questions about Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay. There's no G at the end of, of that, by the way. It's coming to town. Coming to town. Screen or no screen? Oh, this is so hard. This movie is weirder and creepier than I remembered. What with the extended songs and the, just the whole thing about like dystopian towns being fought by people who kind of start up a magically surveilled police state of children activity to be, be able to bring them toys. There's just a lot of weirdness going on. There's a bunch of classic segments that are wonderful and it's well animated but the story itself is just odd and i don't know where to land i think i'm giving it a screen but it's a watch the bits you want don't have to sit and watch the whole thing kind of screen i definitely say screen i don't necessarily say show this to little kids yeah but i say watch it yourself and it's it's weird and interesting and it's got some really good songs so i say screen Maybe not for the originally intended audience. This is a great thing for late night on your Christmas Eve party when all the kids have gone to bed and all of and all of the adults have brought out shots. Yes. You could, if someone can link me a good Santa Claus is coming to town drinking game, I will be fascinated with how you build it. Oh, yes. If anybody out there has this, uh, go to our contact page at uh, com and let us know. The other question then is... Revive, reboot, or rest in peace? Well, before we usually say it, I mention if it's had it anything already. Yeah. And of course, Rankin Bass did other Christmas specials and other things. Sure, and Santa Claus appears in those as well. Mm -hmm. The wild thing about this is that Santa Claus is coming to town, the video game exists. The, the video game? Yes. When was this made? This was made during the DS and Wii eras of Nintendo uh, products. Okay, so were they able to capture the visual style of this? This is yeah. So this is a, a 2011, and imagine if you were to take all of the Rankin Bass character designs and dip them in that weird shiny molten plexiglass to give it a children under three are sure to choke on its shine <laughs> that games of this era liked to do, and then put it on top of a very bare bones and glitchy platformer. Oh, wow. This game... That sounds uncanny. Uh, yes. This game looks like a fever dream. <laughs> it looks like someone is in the middle of trying to get over the worst cold and flu they've had in a long time during the holiday season, and they watched the specials while the NyQuil kicked in. Wow. It is... I've watched some playthrough video, <laughs> and I'm here... I'm not even controlling it, and I'm seeing these jumps and feeling the distortion and lag as the processor tries to figure out what this code is requesting of it. It is the wildest thing. <laughs> I have I've never heard of that game. I do not know that I'm going to go out of my way to play it. <laughs> but you got to watch a bit of the clips of it, because this is part of what the legacy is. In some ways, the legacy of this special is that it is so weird and disparate pieces that it's pulled apart and used in chunks on other things. So I want to reference the reference that and the fact that I've seen a wild amount of like Santa Claus is coming to town Rankin Bass merch at like big lots and places like that <laughs> when you don't expect it. But in terms of revive reboot or rest yeah. in peace, I really don't know where to land. I kind of want to say rest in peace, but there's a lot of weird and interesting stuff you could do. I don't know what a 
I don't know what a revival of this would even look like. It's got that strange internal logic. What happens if you keep that going? Well, a reboot would just be a retelling of this story, and I don't think we need that. I think for this story, with judicious editing, I think this production stands just fine. So I don't need a reboot. So a revival, I don't need a sequel, because this is supposed to culminate in the Santa who is today. But there are a lot of opportunities for prequels, which technically are revivals. Yes, I kind of want to see, um, like, Topper and the Winter Warlock's Caribbean Vacation, the movie, <laughs> something like that. You could have fun with, like, yeah, the two little side stories. Little side stories, but the prequel could be interesting. Yeah, I want, I want the Winter Warlock's story. I want tales of the Kringles when they were the toy makers to the king, and how did that come about? I want, like, a Game of Thrones about Sombertown. Well, maybe not, but, you know... <laughs> Burger, Meister, Meister, Burger, Burger, Meister, Meister, Burger. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of, of backstory that would be interesting. There is. Never mind the question of who is this child who was left on the doorstep of the, the rich but mean Burgermeister. Oh, yeah. You want to do some wild things. Have like that, that, that origin history thing and have him be actually a descendant of the Meisterburger line somehow. That's why they brought him to this place. Like oh. you could do some wild. Yeah, you're talking now Game we're of Thrones. Getting stuff. back like, to Game of Thrones. Yeah, let's get let's go into that. Let's put some <laughs> wild twists on this. There's a lot of open threads. I absolutely. I'm gonna say rest in peace because we don't need any of that. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways, it would lean into that into the audience we suggest watch it, not the one it was made for, more than I think anyone would actually put in the money to produce yeah i would say rest in peace rest in peace this, this should continue to exist as what it is the best revival is using this without telling any of your people for the setting pieces of your next D D one shot <laughs> just set it in this town don't tell them what let them figure it out and let them lose their mind when they realize what they're doing that would be interesting using the whole rankin bass holiday verse as a D campaign setting yes but I think, that, I think that's where I've got to land. Yeah. And we'll have more to talk about because the holiday season is not over yet. And the Rankin-Bass specials are not over yet. That's right. Our next podcast episode will release on Christmas Day. Oh, my goodness. So, so. join us then for our third and final special holiday presentation about Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. We hope you all enjoy unwrapping a new IMMP from under the tree. <laughs> In the meantime, go find something festive to watch. Wait a minute. Aren't Kringle's delicious filled Danish pastry rings? Mmm. Kringle. <laughs>